I grew up on a farm in Florida and, and we didn't have like television because like literally cable didn't come out that far. And um, I did just kind of grow up on a lot of my parents' albums and records and my grandparents, you know, classical music, Strauss waltzes and stuff like that. And Rodgers and Hammerstein musicals and Lawrence Welk just came on like the one channel that we got on TV. <laughs> and so a lot of kind of classic stuff like that. But then my parents, you know, also had the Eagles and the Archies and the Platters and Elton John. And my dad was into, you know, Garth Brooks and, you know, that kind of country stuff. And so that was my, oh, and the Beatles. And that was my sort of foundation. And then as I was getting older and discovering my own music, I got really into Hanson. <laughs> and they're actually one of the reasons that I decided I wanted to be a musician because I sort of felt like musicians were these ethereal, otherworldly creatures <laughs> until I realized, oh my <laughs> gosh, these are children. And, and like, I'm a child. Like maybe I could do this. And I started learning how to harmonize with my sister and yeah, the rest is history. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. This is Musicians Can Thrive. A podcast community for anyone seeking to make money in the music industry. Musicians, audio engineers, managers, producers, booking agents, everyone across all niches. Welcome. My name is Gabrielle. I'm a singer-songwriter. These stories are for you. I hope they'll help you find new ways to thrive as a musician. Chris Angelis is an award-winning singer-songwriter with a wonderful ability to tell stories, whether she's singing them or sharing them with you between songs at a show. I found her thanks to a wonderful organization called So Far Sounds. They were putting on an anti-Valentine's Day show, and I figured treating myself to a surprise selection of music at a show where I wouldn't learn the lineup until I got there was a great idea. Before the show started, I saw this woman wearing a burgundy velvet jumpsuit and it was so awesome, she immediately had my attention. Turns out, that woman was Chris. And as soon as she started talking about her 50-state tour, I knew I wanted to share her stories with you. So where did learning guitar come into that? Oh, well, I started learning violin when I was nine. And so got sort of a basis in music and music theory. And I was in a youth orchestra from that. And then, you know, once you start, once you learn one instrument, it's a little easier to learn other ones. And I wanted to learn something where I could carry it around and sing along with it. I would love to play the piano, but it's not as easy to carry around. <laughs> and um, so that came a little later when I was, I had already sort of started trying to learn whenever I had a guitar available to me, but I, my friend is in the Brandy Carlisle band gave me a, my first guitar and I just started learning, try to figure out how to play songs. And he taught me some stuff. And, and then, yeah, I've never had official guitar lessons. I just figured out how to play the things that I wanted to play. Mm. Yeah. So I, funny how I that wish, happens. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I would love to be better at it, but I, I actually do say I'm more of a, I'm a singer songwriter, and not as much of a musician because I can play along well enough to sort of pass for accompanying myself, but it's not my forte. Totally understandable. <laughs> <laughs> so you discovered that band Hanson and that's when you knew you wanted to be a musician. Yeah, I think so. I think that was around the time. I mean, I always, was really into singing like growing up in I went to Catholic school and was in the church choir and always really enjoyed performing when we did you know little school plays and stuff and just belting it out with my sister and started doing musical theater camp when when I was 11 so I really enjoyed music but I think that that discovery was when I started thinking oh well maybe I could be one of those kind of musicians that would be cool mm. Yeah, I do love those moments. Yeah. 
So you have gone on a tour where you played in all 50 states. Mm-hmm. What was your experience like doing that? Well, it was it was really it was a lot of things, <laughs> all the feels, you know, um, <laughs> it's because I was solo. And so that's, that's a lot of alone time, but, you know, get to listen to whatever I want in the car and talk to myself and no one cares um, <laughs> <laughs> and figure stuff out. But it also allowed me to have the experience because the way I did it is I stay with friends or friends of friends or people that I meet along the way. And that really gives it more of a, like, I really get to sort of know a place rather than just showing up and staying at a hotel and you kind of don't know where you are. It doesn't matter. So getting to meet and, and see a bunch of people all over the country was really sweet and really nice. And I, I was just sort of overwhelmed by the kindness of strangers and you know, not total strangers. Like there would be people that I knew who had these friends or relatives that would be so welcoming to me to come into their home. And I was always so, so pleased uh, and surprised by that. I don't know why I was surprised, but <laughs> it's nice. And and then getting to see the whole country, I sh- uh, sort of ashamed of myself that I kind of had this idea of certain parts of the country as whatever that, that they don't, you know, kind of fly over states kind of vibe. And I realized, no, this, this country is gorgeous and beautiful and everywhere is really amazing in its own way and has its own really unique, great things to offer. And the other thing that I noticed uh, is usually I'm driving to the show around, you know, evening time. And so I got to see a lot of amazing sunsets and everything looks good in a sunset. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, oh, so if I, if I had any um, advice to give to anybody who wants to travel the States, do it in like September, October and drive around during golden hour and, and everything will be beautiful. Yeah. That sounds like a solid strategy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah incredible. It was like gorgeous weather most of the time. And yeah, it was beautiful. I, I just kept thinking of that song, America the Beautiful, in my head as I was driving. Yeah, I definitely can resonate with that in my own road trip experiences. Yeah. Have you been to all the states? No, but I've been to a few. And I this past fall, I grew up in Montana, so I took a solo oh. road trip back home. That oh, was really my nice. favorite states. Oh my really? Gosh, so beautiful, yeah. Where did you play in Montana? Livingston. No way. Is that where you're from? That's literally where I grew up. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That is so cool. Adorable and beautiful, like landscape around there. Yeah. It's amazing. And they love live music right there. Yeah. I played at the Mint. Do you know it? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. That's that's great. Oh, my (laughs) god. And I got lunch at the Pickle Barrel. (laughs) And I, I, I was staying with this woman, again, like this person that I didn't know prior um, who was just so sweet, and she let me borrow her little bike. It was like this little red bike with a little basket, and I just rode around Livingston. And I was like, "What is happening? I'm like in a different time. This is amazing." Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the best way to experience Livingston. Yeah, I really want to play at that. Um, oh my gosh, now I'm blanking on the name. It's the it's like a an inn that's up in the hills near Livingston Pine Creek um, Cafe. Yes. Oh my gosh. Okay. So a little side note, that cafe used to have a bluegrass jam every Thursday night. Mm -hmm. And when I was in middle school, my dad was like, you know what? Let's just go check it out. And so he started taking me every Thursday night, keeping me late. Doesn't matter if it's a school night. And that was the first place where I started really getting comfortable performing my original songs on stage. That's amazing. Oh, I love that. It is a fantastic spot. Yeah. He is my biggest supporter by far. Yeah. Well, I hope that I can play there. I don't know how it works, but I've heard some of my friends that, you know, play that kind of music have played there and it seems like a good spot. So. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So as you were going around to all these places, did you notice that 
there were pockets where the audiences particularly resonated with your music? Huh. I mean, there were people that were really into it everywhere, I think. But I can remember some some really, really awesome. One of my really awesome shows was in Austin. I played a So Far Sound show and there and they, which is where we met, right? Yes. We met in Austin at a So Far Sound show, but it wasn't that one. It was the one before. I mean, that one was awesome too because mm-hmm. <laughs> of the Valentine's <laughs> Day thing. That was a really fun show. It was so funny. so impressed at the amount of people that want to come out and just see bands that they have no idea who they're coming to see. I guess it's kind of like one of those like mystery boxes, right? Um, <clears throat> but yeah, uh, when I when I scheduled this a couple months ago, they were like, yeah, you can play on uh, February 14th and it'll be fun. And then like a few days ago, uh, <laughs> the they were giving some details to us, and um, they said, we put you in the anti-Valentine's Day show. Hope that's okay. And because, you know, when... Tune better. Okay. Um, because when, when you give your information about your setup and stuff, you also give a set list. And I was like, what, just because I have a song called Heartbreak is Contagious? You think I just belong in the anti-Valentine's Day? I don't know why I use that, I'm just making sense. No, it totally does. I'm so glad we're here. And you guys, we get tequila. The other people have love. We get tequila. Oh shoot, it's not plugged in. I always forget to plug it in. Here we go. But the one that I'm thinking of during the 50 State Tour was in someone's backyard. And there was like all these lights and it was like perfect night. And yeah, I don't know how, why my little stories were really into the people were into it. I was interacting with the audience a lot. And I had told this story about um, playing Hallelujah, the Leonard Cohen song in the, in a church in Germany with like where I brought the whole audience into this back like chapel chamber in the church. And they were, the people were like, well, now you have to do that now and I was like okay but as long as you sing with me and then so I had like a hundred people singing hallelujah along with me and that was a really really special moment (laughs) and and they were into the rest of the set as well oh and and I was able to play the band that played before me there was a dobro player like steel guitar and I was like hey I don't know if you do this but I have a song that has that in in it in my set would you want to just play it with me and so he just played along with me had never heard the song before. We we met literally five minutes before, and that was really cool too. <laughs> so. I really wish I had seen that show. Oh, uh, I know. I wish it was recorded in some way. Oh I think gosh. there's like a little snippet of that somewhere. Yeah, I love moments like that where you just meet another musician and you click, and they can help you. Yeah, I'm so impressed. Moment. Like I said, with like musicians who are like real musicians who can do that, I'm like, you are like, I, I bow down to them. <laughs> <laughs> Like, just tell me the key and I can hop on. Yeah. I'm like, wow, that's amazing. (laughs) Yeah, it really is. How did you first get involved with So Far Sounds? I had heard about it from just in the music scene in LA for a few years. And and I kept trying to get them to have me. And I never heard back. But then I don't, I really honestly don't remember how but someone in from Seattle so far reached out to me and was like, Hey, do you ever want to, do you ever come up to Seattle? We'd love to have you. I don't know how they found me, but they did. And so I, I went up there and played, actually I'm in Seattle now. And I think that that kind of opens the doors with so far sounds once you've done one, cause you've been kind of vetted. And then, so since then I, I just have reached out to all the cities, wherever I'm going and have played, I think, 16 now. Wow. Um, in in like eight states or more than that, 10 states. Yeah. So it's, you must have had some really great experiences with this then. Yeah, I love So Far Sounds. I love that it's a place where people actually come because they love music and they want to discover it um, because you don't know who's playing. 
and and you can actually because part of my thing is I like to tell my stories and tell little you know funny things to sort of <laughs> um, mitigate the sadness of my songs and and I can really do that with that kind of show like a lot of the shows that I do these days or on this last tour are kind of playing in restaurants and wineries and I'm a bit of background music yeah I think being able to first hear your music with the stories mm-hmm. it it made all the difference because it's just that extra level of getting to know you as an artist. Yeah. Thank you. I, I, I learned about the, the magic of that from, you know, going to other concerts and especially with, from Brandy Carlisle, you know, Brandy Carlisle's music. Mm-hmm. I was able to, the, the friend that I, that gave me my first guitar is in her band. So I knew them grow like kind of you know growing up as a as an artist myself and seeing how she speaks to the audience and stuff and how it really made a difference and it made a connection and and people laugh and then my my one of my theater coaches mentors um always said you open their mouths with laughter and then you and then you put the truth in Mm. (laughs) and that's sort of how I feel like is a is the dynamic with the shows you not in a, a negative way, but like people open their hearts and open their minds because you're connecting with them with something that's funny and then you can pour something deeper into it. That's a fantastic way to put it. I've never heard that before, but I really love that. <laughs> I can't take credit. I don't know who said it. I look <laughs> it up. <laughs> that's okay. We will we'll trust you on that one. <laughs> okay. One of the things I really love about the 50-state tour Chris did is she found a way to minimize expenses by staying with friends or friends of friends, maybe even a distant aunt or uncle. If you're just starting out with touring and you don't have a big band, this is a strategy worth considering. When you give people an opportunity to help and support you, it's amazing how accepting that generosity can lead to opportunities you'd never expect. It's vulnerable to ask for help, but so worth it. You get the chance to know people better through meaningful in-person connections, and often those friends are proud they can help support your music. Friends of friends can become your friends, and each one of these connections is one more potential listener for your music. People talk about good experiences, and if you're trying to build an audience in an area, befriending locals is one of the best ways to jumpstart that. If you don't mind me asking, how does So Far Sounds pay their artists? Oh, um, it's it's a flat rate per show. And they just recently started a, a different system because it was just like one flat rate no matter what. And just now, I think like in the new year, they started a system where it depends on how many tickets uh, are sold. You still get a, a base rate, which is the same as it's always been. But now if they sell uh, above a certain number of tickets, you get paid a little bit more. And then if above a different number, you get paid a little bit more. Mm. So that's really nice. Yeah, that sounds like a nice scale to work off of. Yeah. That's fantastic. Hmm. And it's nice because, you know, at least right now, hopefully, hopefully I'll be getting to a point where <laughs> I'm getting paid a little bit more for shows. But the the amount that I that you get paid is the same as some, sometimes I've been paid for a three hour show and at so far I only had to play for four, four songs. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm not complaining. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That is a solid guarantee that they're giving you then. Yeah. It's, it's decent for, for four or five songs. Yes, for sure. What are some of the challenges that you've experienced making money as a musician? Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> well, it's the challenging challenges with anything that's freelance. You know, you have to just gig economy. You have to find constantly finding more work, and and then also just just the idea of and it depends on a lot of different factors and where you are and stuff. But it feels like we've gotten into our society where art isn't quite as um, valued as it has been in the past or is in other places, at least in America, because of the whole streaming thing and 
with TV and music and all that stuff where people just expect their entertainment to be free. So that can be a little tough when you're trying to, you know, make art and, and you can't get people to buy anything like, you know, CDs used to be $20 and people would buy them. And now I, I sell my CDs for $10 or even $6 online. And and can't keep it's hard to get people to buy them because they're like, well, I can stream it, which is fair. Like I stream most of my music too, but you know, and, and also streaming by the way, isn't evil or at least I'm trying to embrace it because it does add up. Um, and everyone out there, the way that I try to support musicians, if I really like their music is I will buy their album and then I will stream it because, because then they're, they're getting whatever I paid for it and whatever they, you know, the little bit that they're getting for streaming. And it also, because it, it triggers algorithms and then you get on playlists and then you get more people listening and blah, blah, blah. So anyway, yeah, I guess the struggle is just, just from finding gigs that will pay and, and, and having, finding people who value, value it. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to talk shit, but like LA is, is rough for people, artists who are trying to make money because there are so many that, you know, all these restaurants and, and pubs and, you know, venues and stuff either will do like a pay to play situation or, or don't pay you. They're like, you're welcome for getting to come play here. <laughs> like really for the, for the exposure. Yeah. Or you have to, you know, sell a bunch of tickets. And if you, if you sell enough, then you get paid. And I, I do get it. Cause everyone's tr- the having a business in LA must be hard too, because, you know, they're trying to pay their wait staff and their, the sound guy and stuff. And so they have to make a certain amount too, but it's all challenging <laughs> in that way, but it's getting, it's getting a little easier. I think just as I've gotten more experience and I guess maybe I'm a better performer. So people are willing <laughs> to pay me more. So things are looking up, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see how those challenges would get easier as you, I guess, level up is the word that I'm yeah. looking for. And I think that it's it's interesting. It's an interesting thing. And this is true for any thing that's charging money is like, you have to find that sweet spot where you're charging enough that people are like, oh, you're worth something. Mm-hmm. But not so much that they're like, ah, I can't. That's, you're crazy. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That is an important balance. Yeah. I noticed you're using Patreon as a way mm-hmm. to also earn money. What has your experience been like with using that? It's really cool that there are people in the world who are so into supporting art that they will just donate in that way. It's, I mean, it's, a, it's not a new concept it's new in this format, but, you know, there's always been patrons of the arts and, you know, we've always been, if you go to a ballet or a theater or something, people, they ask for donations and it's, it's basically that same model, but it's just online and a smaller scale. And it can be a huge scale, you know, like Amanda Palmer has like crazy Patreon patrons. She makes like, oh my gosh, thousands of dollars a month. But the, the idea is that people you can, for me, it's like $5 a month or more. If you go to higher levels, you can get other rewards for being a higher level patron. And then I also, the, the patron uh, get to be the first people that hear everything that I record, get to hear new brand new songs, right. As I write them, they are the first ones that get to see my videos and stuff like this album that I just put out in January, my patrons heard months before it came out. And so I, I do a lot of exclusive stuff like that I'm never going to post publicly <laughs> and early content. And so that's the value of it. And I think that's pretty cool. Like if you have an artist that you like and you could pay literally $5 a month to, to get to see and hear everything they do before anyone else, that's kind of, I feel like it's pretty cool. And then, you know, people do higher levels just because they want to support, but also because, you know, I can, I'll send my entire catalog to people if you're like at the $20 level or whatever. And I do, I do actually Zoom chats every month with, with my high level patrons and we do a little group chat and stuff like that. And you get special treatment at my shows. 
it's it's really fun and it and it's invaluable to me as a musician like I, the only reason i've been able to be a full-time musician is because of people like supporting me through patreon and live streaming and stuff so it's it's a full-time uh, heart effort <laughs> for sure it sounds like it also helps you get the opportunities that you need to build a stronger relationship with those fans and supporters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, exactly. Because the, the way that, so they give me their donations every, or their, their support every month. And then because of that, if I'm able to make a music video or do something extra, like go on tour and, and come to their city. Like for a few years, I've been doing live streaming and everyone's like, come to this place, come to this place. You know, I want to meet you. I want to see you. And I'm like, mm. I, I can't. Uh. And then as I've been able to do, you know, Patreon and, and make more money through live streaming and all of that stuff, that's what made it possible for me to not need to have a day job anymore so that I could go and have funds to travel. And exactly, you're exactly right. It makes it possible to make more content and go and be, be in, and meet these people out there and have more connection and meet more people who want to support. And <laughs> hopefully it just keeps growing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's probably really helpful trying to plan a tour also, because then you know exactly where they want you to be. Totally. Actually. Yeah. That was one of the, one of my, the biggest fans kept wanting me to come to Michigan and I was like, okay, but you got to bring all your friends <laughs> and, and, yeah, and like, I, I just kept sort of noticing more and more as I sort of mentioned it, like, Oh, I'm from Michigan. I'm from Michigan. I was like, Oh, okay. Well then come to my show. And, and funnily enough, that was actually one of the best, one of the biggest attended shows that where people were there to see me just because he was like, yeah, I'm on it. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, then. So you get your personal, Oh, what's it called? Like street team kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's amazing. Definitely. And like that's I know that seems like an old school idea but it's 100% still still works because people think oh well social media it's made everything more accessible and it totally has but it's also very very saturated and so what you really need is is the people that are real on the ground telling other people with their faces <laughs> that <laughs> they like something and that they should check it out too or they should come out to the show with them. So, yeah. Yeah. One of my new favorite Austin bands I only learned about because one of my friends, I asked him to hang out and he says, come to this concert. That's what yeah. I'm doing tonight. And before you know it, I'm yeah. a big fan now. What, what's band. the band? They're called Nane. Oh, Nane. Okay. Yeah. They are a, I want to say N-A-N-E. Okay. I want to say they're like an indie rock funk band okay i don't really know what genre to put them in because they're a little bit rock but they're also a little bit r&b okay and the lead singer daniel has this fantastic mane of curly hair i know i'm looking at them on spotify i see it okay yeah (laughs) yeah so you know they just got that visual striking quality and then the music itself is super fun to dance to So I was hooked from the first show. Nice. Yeah, I love it when that happens. Yeah. And it all came down to just a friend telling a friend about a man that they like. Yeah. We've made it about halfway through the show, and we're going to have a quick pause. Ads are irritating distractions, so they'll never be a part of the Musicians Can Thrive podcast. Thank you for listening. To make sure you get new episodes as soon as I release them, subscribe wherever you like to listen to podcasts. I'm so glad I get the honor of sharing these musicians' stories, and it would mean a lot if you would be willing to help me share them. Spotify has this awesome feature where you can share podcast episodes directly to Instagram stories. So if you're willing, tell your followers about your favorite episode. Last thing. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, leaving a quick review helps other musicians learn about Musicians Can Thrive. I appreciate your support. Back to the show.
love most about music? I love most about music. Oh my gosh. I think I love that it's able to express things that you can't necessarily say mm-hmm. and that it's a universal language. Like everyone can connect and feel music no matter what language you speak or what culture you're in. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> There's nothing I disagree with about that. That is <laughs> pretty pretty universal, like you said. Yeah. Just, you know, it accentuates feelings. I, yeah. I think songs are sometimes I struggle with like feeling like, oh, I should be more well adjusted like in my songs. And like, no, <laughs> songs are are feelings. They're just big feelings and and they're allowed to be one flavor like you know like I have my song I hope I never fall in love again like obviously that's not actually true but it was a feeling that I was having and I think a lot of people can relate to and yeah you don't need to be like all therapy well adjusted (laughs) songs (laughs) you know yeah well because you're you're trying to bring people into this moment and so it doesn't have to be different than exactly what it is yeah I'm pretty sure Ed Sheeran said this, that he can only write songs when he's either really happy or really sad. Mm-hmm. And when I heard that, I was like, okay, so it's not just me. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's so true. Because you, you have those intense emotions and they they lend themselves to becoming a song. Totally. Yeah. And I mean, every... Sometimes I feel like, yeah, definitely the songs, the fodder comes from the sadness or, you know, the big emotions. But sometimes I have to wait until I'm a little bit through it to actually create a coherent Mm -hmm. song out of it. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely have been in that same spot. Mm -hmm. While we're on the subject of songwriting, what are some of the things you enjoy the most about being a songwriter? Hmm. Well, I mean, like I said, sort of about what I like about music is just the idea of of getting to say the things that you don't get to actually say. Like, maybe this is, uh, no, it probably isn't weird. You, you probably feel it too. Maybe, I don't know. The idea of like, if I went through something with someone and I can't really like say what I would want to say to them because that would be like socially weird, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> yeah. But like I write it in the song and it just like gives me pleasure to think that they might hear it you know that kind of thing yeah or have you ever been in a situation you wrote a song about someone and then they're there and you're performing it no but I had his dad at my show and the whole time I was just like please don't figure out that this is about your son yeah like for the love of all that is holy please don't figure this out yeah yeah I know I I have this idea and maybe I shouldn't say it, but whatever. I have this idea for a song where it would be like extremely obvious who it's about. Like <laughs> it would be like really specific things that we did or whatever. But then it's also, but it's called not this. It's called not about you. <laughs> I love yeah. that. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> but also in in a in a way that's like tongue in cheek, obviously. But in a way that where that's the message of the song too, that it's like, oh, even though all of these things happened with you and this is how I feel now, these feelings aren't actually about you. They're about my journey and my desires and my loneliness or whatever it is. You just Mm -hmm. happen to be there. You just happen to be whatever I'm attaching it to right now, which I think is kind of an interesting concept in general. But I thought it would be a funny song to be like, this is like extremely, very, very obviously about you. But And then it's like, the chorus is like, this is not about you. (laughs) Honestly, I think it's a fantastic idea. (laughs) And I think a lot of people would really resonate with that song. Yeah. So please write it (laughs) so I can listen to it. (laughs) (laughs) I will. That is fantastic. (laughs) thanks you're welcome I noticed on your website that you are part of something called the Grammy Next program yes what is that so it's a program that the Recording Academy does where they you can submit to them and they choose 
artists uh, of every kind, like you know, musicians, producers, you know, all the all the music industry people, and um, and they choose people that they think have potential, and they they pair them with a mentor in the industry that makes sense for them, and and they give them opportunities to come to different events and panels and different things that will help further their career, hopefully. So yeah, that's what it is. And it's for a year. And I'm very excited because my, my mentor that they set me up with is actually someone, I don't know if you do this, but like where you have a list of your people in the industry that you're, you're your kind of dream list that you would like to be connected with or work with or whatever. Oh yeah. And the person they connected me with is like on the top of my list. <laughs> I was like, what? This is awesome. That worked out very well. <laughs> yeah. Cause I've been, you know, sort of trying to connect with her and stuff and, and it's, you know, never really worked. And it was a kind of, you know, it's hard to connect with people unless you have a, someone that introduced you. And now I'm like, Oh, ha, ha, now you have to talk to me. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. No, she's sweet. And hopefully we're going to, we're going to meet in like next week. So I'm excited. That's fantastic. So yeah. is the program specific to LA residents only? I don't think so. That's a really good question. I don't know. I didn't even think about it because I just live there. There might be different chapters, you know. Are you in the recording academy? I'm not, but <clears throat> it sounds like a really interesting experience where having yeah. that ability to access a mentor could make all the difference. Totally. I think, I think you might have to be a member of the Recording Academy, but they, you know, they have different chapters and I, I would assume that if the, the next program is, you know, happens through all the chapters, oh, that's a good question. Look into it. <laughs> <laughs> so as you go through this mentoring process, how long has it been running for you like have you already experienced some of the panels I haven't unfortunately I wasn't able to attend the launch party like thing which was back in October because I was on set filming this uh, thing nothing much has happened until this the new year it's quote-unquote started in October where I think it was more kind of like oh hey these are the members cool we'll, mm-hmm. we'll have fun next year but <laughs> you know they were busy there's this little event that happened on January 16th or 26th sorry that um that I guess they were focusing on <laughs> the Grammys <laughs> um <laughs> yeah just a little event <laughs> yeah just this little thing that happened and then there's been all kinds of actually drama with their CEO and stuff. I don't know if you know about this. So the, so it hasn't been happening yet, but the first one that I'm going to be able to go to is on March 25th. So I'm going to be back in LA, thank goodness, and I will be going to that. Excited to see what happens. Yeah, I can imagine you're very excited to get that one-on-one time with your mentor too. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. it should be fun. Hopefully, hopefully it'll be great and hopefully it'll, good things will come out of it. I'm sure it will. Just even getting to hear her experiences and lessons she's learned. Yeah. That's really cool. How do you become part of the Recording Academy? Okay. So the way that I did it is, and I guess it's the way everyone has to do it. So you go online and you submit uh, your kind of portfolio as a musician or person in the music industry. Because like I said, it's all kinds of people. Um, producers, songwriters, engineers, whoever. And you just have to have a catalog that there's requirements like of you have to have a certain amount of works in the last three years and they have to be of a certain quality and they have to be available, you know, worldwide and, you know, sort of all these qualif- uh, these yeah, these qualifications and then and then a committee, I guess, looks at your stuff and sees if you're the qualify <laughs> to be a member and it also I think totally depends on how many members and stuff they're trying to have and then they accept you or they don't and hopefully they do and then you there's different levels too you can just be a member or you can be a voting member and you have to pay dues but they're not very expensive and yeah that's how that's really cool yeah 
You mentioned being on set for something. Is yeah. acting another way that you have income as a I musician? Mean, I have been an actress. I don't really pursue it anymore because I'm so full-time music. So it's not really a, a, what is the word that I'm looking for? It's not a consistent source of income at all. Even when I was doing it, <laughs> even when I was pursuing it. <laughs> um, but this one, what I was mentioning is because, um, so do you have, uh, do you ever watch This Is Us? I have thought about watching it, but oh. not yet acted on it. <laughs> okay. Well, it doesn't matter. It was just in case you, you might've known the person. There's a, a friend of mine who's an actor on the show and he wanted to branch out into writing and directing. And so he wrote the short film for my sister and I and me um, to be in. I have an identical twin sister. She's an actress. She is pursuing it, you know, full time. And she's awesome. And she's been in a bunch of movies and stuff. But I think that's also a, another reason that it's good that I transitioned to being more full-time music instead of trying to pursue acting all the time because it's awkward when you're in direct competition with your identical twin. <laughs> like, yeah, I can oh. imagine that'd be a little challenging. <laughs> yeah. So I think this is good. This is good because we are able to support each other in both of our careers, like she sings harmonies with me sometimes and it really adds a lot and it's really awesome. And then mm. if there's ever roles like where we need to be twins, I can come and do that and help her out in that way. So we're basically each other's special skills. Um, and, and it's just good because then now we're just fully supportive instead of being in direct competition all the time. Yeah. That's a much more fun place to be in. Yeah. I mean, I love acting. I love being on sets and, and stuff. It's just, yeah, it's made more sense to do it this way. Yeah, not your main priority. Nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Have you wanted to add a band to your shows? Oh my gosh, yes. I love having a band. I I played with a band at my album release show at, in the Hotel Cafe in LA. I, I do kind of basically once, maybe twice a year, I play a big show with a band in LA and try to get everyone to come out. and. I love it. I love my musicians. They're such wonderful people. I love having that extra sound. Um, it's just, I can't afford to have them all the time, unfortunately, because they are fantastic musicians who, you know, play with a bunch of huge artists. Like I literally play with people who like go on tour with Katy Perry. Like they, they're doing nice. me a favor, you know, <laughs> like even though I'm, I'm paying them, like it's, it's not much. I wish that I could, like, you know, if I had gotten back 10 years ago or something and gotten together some scrappy, you are all scrappy musicians that are like, yeah, let's do this together. And we're going to, you know, split whatever we make, however it happens. That's the way, that's the way you got to do it. Otherwise I have these amazing musicians who I love to play with and I can't afford to play with all the time. I wish I could. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. That is the challenge of finding a band to back you up yeah yeah I mean I guess I could maybe try to find some sort of younger newer artists who are just really excited to to be getting experience and touring and stuff but I I feel bad because I never want to like I mean not never it's not it's not bad to go you know pay your dues and move up the ranks and stuff but I I would never want to feel like I'm taking advantage of anybody I, don't, mm-hmm. I guess I wouldn't be. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's understandable. And I can imagine it's more cost effective for touring if you're going by yourself. Well, yeah, it depends because that's the thing is like if you're a band and you're you're all in it together and you're splitting the costs too, but you're mm-hmm. also splitting the money. But yeah, with with my situation, I and maybe maybe I'm wrong about this, but like what I imagine would have to be is I would have to bring the band on tour with me, pay them. And I'm also paying for all the expenses and, and like, I'm, I'm kind of just getting by (laughs) when it's just me, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, is there anything that we haven't covered that you'd like someone listening to know or remember as they try to figure out their own path in the music industry? I mean, it's sort of, 
good advice that you probably heard a lot, and it's always good to be reminded. First of all, one of my favorite pieces of advice or something that someone said to me, a musician who's doing well, said, the people who succeed in this business are the people who are left. Meaning, like people drop out all the time because like it's just not going the way they want it to. And there's nothing also, by the way, nothing wrong with that. Like if you decide, okay, I'm good, I've done it, I'm going to go do something else that makes me more money and makes me feel more secure and I'm happier in my life, like good for you. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you know, no judgment at all. But if you're at all feeling like, oh, well, I haven't made it to the level that I want to make it yet because in the time that I want, like, don't let that discourage you. I haven't, you know, <laughs> um, but it's, uh, but I'm, I'm moving forward every time. And like you said, the people who are still doing it, if you keep going and you have any talent and any sort of integrity, you're going to get known and respected and you're going to be able to have the, the benefits and the soul, you know, feeding things that happen in this, in this career. And so don't give up is what I'm saying. And then also in terms of songwriting, and I really need to implement this more myself, write whenever you can, like creativity is not a finite resource. You actually make it, you get, you can create more by doing it more like like a faucet that where if you haven't turned it on in a while there's a bunch of gunk in there mm-hmm. and and you just have to turn it on and keep it on and then and then the good stuff will come so it's a great metaphor for creativity <laughs> definitely something i resonate with yeah yeah and you know it's like inertia too sometimes mm-hmm. i go through these phases where i'm not writing and sometimes can feel really hard to get back into it but once you start then you just keep going yeah like keeping that muscle in shape Where is the best place for listeners to find you and your music online? Ah, the best place is my website. It's chrisangelis.com, K-R-I-S-A-N-G-E-L-I-S.com. And that's because it has all of the other things there. I mean, you can find me pretty easily on everything. I'm at chrisangelis on Twitter and Instagram and, you know, all this, that stuff. But but it's just very easy. You go to chrisangelis.com. There's all these little icons. You can find me on all the things, YouTube and Instagram and Facebook. And, and Patreon. <laughs> yeah. Spotify. Yes. And yeah, that's the best place. And I have a new album out, like I said, called That Siren Hope. So one of the things that I'm really trying to get people to do is if you can't, well, buy it if you want. It's only $6 on my website, but also follow me on Spotify and stream it, add it to playlists, share it. That's all it takes like five seconds to do and it's free to you and makes a huge difference to an independent artist. That's what I was saying. Mm-hmm. I will second that and do mm-hmm. it. <laughs> Yay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Chris. This has been such a pleasure oh. getting to hear your story. Thank you so much. Yeah. I, I really appreciate you uh, wanting to interview me and, and help, you know, putting uh, putting other artists out, out there. really appreciate it. You're welcome. I am happy I get to be involved in music in this way. Yeah. And I love that you played in Livingston. The odds of that are <laughs> absolutely insane. <laughs> well, I love it too. Yeah. I, I definitely want to talk to you more about that. <laughs> yeah. I will send you all the info I have and okay. hopefully maybe you'll play a show there when I happen to be back. Yeah. <laughs> definitely. Cool.
Please check the show notes to find Chris's music, her Patreon page, social media links, and all that fun stuff. One last thing before you go today. There are techniques, strategies, and routines that work best for different people. With that in mind, I encourage you to consider this. A man named Kevin Kelly first introduced this idea that to make a living as a successful creator, you only need 1,000 true fans, minimum. He defines a true fan as a fan that will buy anything you produce. So if you put effort into building a community on Patreon, and all your fans had to pay was $5 a month for the lowest tier as a patron, let's do that math. 1,000 true fans with a minimum level of buy-in. That's at least $5,000 of income per month. You build a community of fans who are actively supporting you and who feel invested in what you're doing because, after all, it's their contributions that enable you to do things like record your new single or make music videos. Those fans become a valuable resource for planning shows and tours and they give you a level of flexibility that you might not otherwise have. That sounds like a great place to be in to me. Especially as musicians worldwide are faced with the new challenge of a pandemic wiping out most performance income for who knows how many months. So, if you are counting on income from shows that are now cancelled, maybe it's the perfect time to start building your own Patreon community.